Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel. And guys, a lot of news kind of went down over the past 24 hours, even though the season, regular season is done for Texas. But let's start with the big thing, Xavier Worthy, the standout Texas wide receiver, going to the NFL. Hey, we expected this from the very outset of this season. And uh, to be honest, I'm happy for him. I mean, this is what he's he came to Texas for. Uh, five-star coming in. Steve Sarkeesian got him away from Michigan, uh, you know. And he came in and kind of lit it up that first year. 12 touchdowns receiving. Uh, no, Everybody was surprised by him, though, CJ. That's why I think he had that breakout freshman campaign. Then everybody realized what he was and said, okay, we got to pay attention to him. Uh, he ended up having his highest receiving yardage total, and they used him more underneath as, as a junior. Uh, and I also think he had better hands as a junior than he did either as a sophomore or a freshman. Uh, he definitely uh, improved during his time uh, in Austin uh, overall. Uh, what did you think of, of this uh, of this move? You think it's the right one for for Xavier? Yeah, I think it absolutely is. You know, it's a it's a strong wide receiver class. Uh, up at the top, but not many guys fit the skill set that you see with Xavier Worthy and what he brings to the table uh, in terms of just his overall approach to the game. I think Xavier Worthy during his time at, as as a Longhorn will go down as one of the greatest wide receivers in Texas football history. You can see it there. He's fourth in the the the, the career yards. I think he's third all time in receiving touchdowns with twenty six. Worthy, for my money's worth, was the most influential recruitment that Sarkeesian has won. Uh, if you think back to that 2021 uh, campaign, had it not been for a, a freshman Xavier Worthy, that five wins might have been looking a, a whole lot less. And especially down the road when they really started force feeding him the, the ball with targets and, and 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 just ways to get him the, the, the rock. If it wasn't for Xavier Worthy early on to set the tone of what Sarkeesian was uh, going to approach in the portal and also how aggressive he wanted to go after elite talent from out of state and around the country, things could have been a little bit different. So I, I tip my cap. I think all Longhorn fans should be over the moon with what, you know, uh, could be from Xavier Worthy in the NFL because what he did on, on the 40 acres should not go for, uh, not be taken lightly. Yeah. And you know what? He got a lot of, he gets a bad rap because he didn't do it this way or that way. He was always a little bit different, but you know what? Uh, every person I talked to, to a man inside that building told me that you can say what you want to about his actions and, all this other stuff, the, but on the football field, he's extremely serious. He was a tremendous practice player. So between the white lines, A++. Uh, gave it everything he had every time he was out there. Often injured, I think, uh, both as a sophomore and junior, which kind of hurt him, hurt, hurt his production, production, yet we're sitting there looking at a 1,000-yard season this year, CJ. Uh, so he's clearly that. And also, he goes – into that category of what Sark likes to call touchdown makers. I mean, he, he's really what Sark tries to recruit in that regard. He accounted for 30 overall touchdowns during his time on the 40 acres, 26 receiving, like you mentioned, uh, three TDs rushing, one uh, passing as well. They tried to pat, they maybe tried to let him pass a little too often at times, uh, maybe, but uh, still uh, happy for Xavier Worthy. And today, uh, Texas awaits the decisions of uh, several others. Uh, as well, including J.T. Sanders, the tight end, Adonai Mitchell, uh, the uh, young man out of uh, Missouri City and uh, the state of Tennessee that transferred over uh, from Georgia. He's got to make a decision. Uh, and then uh, also waiting uh, somewhat uh, right now 
uh, on on the uh, decision not only of Byron Murphy, uh, the 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 guy that uh, you and I all know is probably going because he's already agreed uh, to the uh, the uh, Senior Bowl, uh, but also Jonathan Brooks, whose injury uh, last year, uh, late late in the year, excuse me, against TCU, uh, really took the shine off of him a little bit because we thought for sure uh, a lot of people think that he would be the first running back taken. Uh, going into the uh, the what we saw overall for his first 10 games of the year. Um, uh, CJ, you also uh, just texted us uh, something. CBS, I believe, came out with its mock draft today. Not Xavier Worthy, the first Longhorn. Not T- Tavondre Sweat, the first Longhorn going. But according to CBS, Adonai Mitchell, the first Longhorn going in this NFL draft. Uh, and then who, who was the second one coming off? Was it Tavondre Sweat? Or not even Tavondre Sweat, Mm-mm. Byron Murphy. Give us a little uh, sense of that one. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a, a, a little bit of a surprise there. Uh, A.D. Mitchell in this mock draft released by uh, CBS Sports 24-7 Sports earlier today had uh, A.D. Mitchell going number 24 overall to the Bills and also Byron Murphy going number 32. And let me pull it up real quick. They had him going to the Ravens. So two teams, Ravens are obviously very familiar with Texas prospects. They seem to uh, have an affinity for taking Texas guys, and they're obviously uh, big-time playmakers right now for what they do in Baltimore. On top of the AFC, let's add that, which is very exciting as we head into the NFL playoffs as well. But two guys who I think at their position at Texas might not always be considered that top guy, but yeah. I should go right away to tell you just how talented they are and how, I guess, impressively – uh, the NFL scouts view both of them. So very encouraging. I'm excited for to see really both of their uh, uh, draft projections as we get closer to April. Yeah, going into this, you wouldn't have said, okay, Adonai Mitchell's going to go over Xavier Worthy and Byron Murphy's going to go over to Vondre Sweat. I mean, Sweat won the Outland. Yeah. So no. it, uh, Murphy's performance against Washington, while it wasn't um, dominating in the sense of he didn't get, the, get to the quarterback, there were certain plays that were truly flash plays for him. Yeah. I, that, I thought specifically there was one swim move that he had to beat a rusher. And it again, had it been any other quarterback in the country not named Michael Penix, I think that's a sack for an eight-yard loss. But it was just a quick sidestep and a play down the field that was made. But it, it was a spin move or the, the swim move, excuse me, right off the snap that was really impressive. The quickness and the strength are what NFL uh, scouts covet. And Byron Murphy has a lot of that. Hey, guys, before we move on, I want to just uh, read this because they have to do with Xavier Worthy. Tub in Texas with the Super wow. Chat says, Xavier Worthy versus OU, 20 receptions, 398 yards, and three touchdowns. Hook them. Who it's will ever good. forget the first reception he had against OU? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this thing looks different than the other one. <laughs> that, was, that was the he's gone. Uh, this guy wasn't on Texas's roster the year before. That's that's what everybody looked up and said uh, when he took off down that sideline, man. That was fun. Oh man, no doubt about it. Well, let's let's talk about the future for a minute. And Bobby, we touched on this last night on the Longhorn live stream. Uh, but Trey Owens making some waves here, as you can see with this tweet from the On Three recruits. And they named Trey Owens the number one day one top performer for the West team. Curious to get y'all's thoughts on that this morning. Well, I'm, I'm curious. CJ's going down. He's, he's literally leaving as soon as this show is over, headed to San Antonio to go see Trey. Uh, their practice gets low, uh, started around 10, 15, 10, 30 this morning. Um, but look, uh, Trey Owens, 
Uh, and we talked about it with Rod last night as well as CJ, uh, as well as you, Blake. He just has all the traits, you know, and he's played against. I, th- I think the other thing that people minimize, a lot of these quarterbacks like Jackson Arnold, like uh, at OU, like Quinn Ewers at Southlake, they play in these elite systems, if that makes sense. And they don't necessarily get rushed the same way you would be if you're at Cypher. And so one thing these guys learn how to do earlier at these lesser programs, and I'm not denigrating Cypher. It's not, but you you have better offensive linemen at at Denton Ryan or, or better receivers at Southlake, et cetera. You don't face the pressure. The and, and, what, and I'm not talking about mental pressure. I'm talking about the oncoming rush like you do at a Cypher, like you do at a Bishop Newman in Louisiana. And so from that standpoint, those guys, if they have the traits, they've already been they've already been knocked around a little bit because it, they're not seeing a clean pl- pocket all the time. Uh, and Dan Danheim makes the comment here, uh, uh, Owens has been seriously underrated. If, if he keeps this performance up and carries it over to the game, I think you'll see a big move uh, uh, for Trey Owens because I know I've talked to Charles Power, uh, who oversees the on three rankings about this uh, before, and uh, he is a big fan of Owens from a trait perspective. He wants to be able to see him do it uh, in in a all star setting where you know he has to get up and do it every single time. So uh, a tremendous start for Trey uh, for this uh, for this all star game setting. That's right. And speaking of all-star games, guys, today is the Under Armour all-star game. And I'm going to go ahead and just bring this up here. And you can see the Texas. Texas has seven players in it. But how many of them are actually playing in the game? There will be six of them. Colin Simmons is still nursing an ankle sprain that he suffered. He told me midway through uh, this past season. So he's been kind of nursing that ankle injury. If that doesn't tell you just how explosive he still is, despite being on a on a on a on a broken wheel. That's pretty impressive to be out in the, the state championship game and being able to get two sacks and a fumble recovery. So, uh, no no Colin Simmons tonight or this afternoon. Excuse me. This game will kick off at three p.m. Uh, but a lot of other Longhorns that you figure to be in the conversation for playing time right away next fall. I'm excited to see them all in spring football as well. Uh, but six guys today, and then obviously headed down to San Antonio to check out uh, uh, Trey Owens, Ryan Wingo, the punter, Michael Kern, and a late addition, Ty Anthony Smith, is down there as well. So lots of Longhorns being named All-Americans. And, yes, Hookham Casino, the game is on ESPN, as CJ said, at 3 o'clock. Well, guys, we got a little bit more to talk about before we get to questions. But before we even get to that, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, absolutely. Adam's a long-term sponsor with us, going to be with us again this year, and we appreciate him uh, very, very much. Uh, uh, Adam, just a a friend, uh, as well as uh, a guy that uh, has been very, very supportive of On Texas Football and Coffee and Football. Each and every Wednesday show brought to you by the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, They've been helping injured Texans uh, for decades. Uh, If you uh, have been injured in a car wreck, uh, an automobile accident of any sort, car crash, motorcycle crash, heck, dog bites. Uh, give him a call if it's something you think uh, you might deserve compensation for. Uh, visit him at lowylawfirm.com, 
888-888-0800. And I'll say this one more time. The thing about Adam is he gives you a free consultation, no charge, just free consultation, and allows you to know whether or not he thinks you might deserve compensation. So if you're in that situation, we know it's difficult. Uh, give him a call, 512-280-0800. Thanks again, Adam, for your uh, sponsorship of Coffee and Football. All right. And want to thank him for sponsoring each and every Wednesday right here on Coffee and Football. And guys, another story that, that's interesting to me is this whole Denver Harris saga. <laughs> <laughs> he went to AM, went to LSU, and now visiting AM again. Kind of different, <laughs> but not, not surprising in this day and age, I guess. And as you can see, here's his stats up here. What are y'all what's y'all's take on that? Do you are you really want to know? <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, I've got kind of a similarity here, which may not be the same, but I think you're if you're Mike Elko and all you hear about is the talent that you're supposed to have on roster, the greatest recruiting class ever, uh, everything along the lines of the last three years, fans at AM are expecting a hot start into the Mike Elko era, in my, in my opinion, because of what the talent is on campus. I think he's looking at it right now like you know, we've had some pretty big, you know, subtractions recently. We've got to fill these voids with guys that, one, I'm familiar with, two, I've recruited, three, I think can get on the field and play right away. I kind of liken this to Sarkeesian going back to 2021 and adding IG Hall and Jaleel Billingsley, knowing that it's a risk, but knowing that the potential for them to step on the field and be a difference maker right away is there. So it's a risk, obviously. It's something that I'm not sure many coaches in the country would go back out and say, you know, we're going to take another crack of the of the bat with this one. But I, I think that's kind of where he's sitting right now. So I don't know if y'all remember the video of him going through a parking garage at about <laughs> yeah. 100 miles an hour or 70, whatever it was, 60 miles an hour, uh, carelessly as a true freshman. Uh, there's also talk that he and four others were suspended or three others were suspended uh, because they actually had a little – uh, toke uh, of a left-handed cigarette uh, in the South Carolina locker room after the loss to South Carolina two years ago. To welcome that guy back on your team is a special sort of F you to everybody else, in my opinion. I mean, I, so, you know, if I'm on that team and I see that happening, like, I, I just question which way is up. That I mean, that's I'm not saying Mike Elko does. I'm not saying people don't deserve second chances because the, they do. Uh, but that's a different kind of second chance. I mean, that's a disrespect of the team uh, when you do that in the locker room. All the other guys are gone too, by the way, uh, from that incident. Um, and so what? whatever Mike Elko wants to do, they, you may be right, CJ. They may be so devoid of talent at corner right now that they, are, they have to find somebody. Um, but we'll see. I mean – I think Chris Marshall got let go at Ole Miss after a year, after three games or whatever it was this year. There's some guys that just, for whatever reason, they're, they're not fit for it. And I don't know what's going on with Denver Harris. Maybe he goes back to AM and ends up being an NFL player. He has NFL talent. He's yet to show it on the field uh, on a consistent basis because he can't keep his head screwed on straight. Guess we'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting story <laughs> to watch unfold. There's no doubt. No, I, I want to say this. Maybe, maybe if Denver Harris goes to a school that has better culture and better development, 
and where he has to abide by the rules, maybe he becomes a player. Like you said, well, the talent's there. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mike Elko is the change, and Jimbo Fisher was just this let, letting the inmates run the asylum. I, that, that could be totally possible. Um, yeah. But I tell you what, somebody smoking weed in the in the uh, smoking weed in the the post game locker room, th- those guys need to be immediately gone from your football team and not welcome back. That's my take. But maybe Mike Elko wasn't there, so. You know, he didn't, you know, no harm, no foul for him. But those other guys that were in that recruiting class, like Bryce Anderson, that are still there, they see that. I mean, what does it say to Shamar Stewart? Um, you know, those kind of guys. I think I think a number of their good players have transferred because they don't want to be part of it. I mean, Jake Johnson is gone, and, you know, they don't want to be part of that kind of stuff. Yeah, Who would? All right, and then another uh, another AM player that we're getting that we always get questions on, but we haven't talked about in a while. John Center says, "Any word on Evan Stewart?" I read this morning Tennessee did back off; they are no longer interested in him. So it looks like he's having a little trouble finding a home. Yeah, it happens to you whenever you decide to take off the last half of the season when you're playing for a team, no matter how talented you are. Again, inmates running the asylum. That that. Walter Nolan is gone. I mean, some of these guys for AM will be addition by subtraction, in my opinion. Some of them will truly hurt your production. Stewart will truly hurt your production at wide receiver because he is he's a he's a force multiplier in some ways because he is he's the guy that can get downfield and make the contested catch downfield. Um, but if he's not gonna play, then what what value is he? Um, I think, you know. yeah, there's also questions about the ankle, just how healthy is he? Uh, I know that was a, a kind of a big issue for him late in the year. Uh, if he's able to get that right, and I think some teams are kind of in that that worrisome, you know, just how healthy can that ankle be for him? Uh, that's something when you combine that to the rest of what you're saying, Bobby, the, the market might not be as, as you know, large and and. I guess, as you would expect for a, a talent like Evan Stewart. Uh, well, here's the deal. I mean, there some guys are learning real-world economics. That's what's happening. I mean, Evan Stewart thinks he can go in the portal and make a gazillion dollars. That, it doesn't work that way. It's re, it's the real world. Whenever you start treating yourself like a free agent, well, welcome to the ups and downs of free agency. That's, I mean, some 18, 19-year-old kids that think that way, are going to get some real-world lessons. All right, Joel. Well, let's jump over to some questions now. We got some super chats that we need to get to. And the first one from Gage Sheets. And Gage says, good morning. I'm still sad. Number one, can y'all talk about the implications of Bama wide receiver coach leaving and if that gives UT a shot at Ryan Williams? And then number two, David Sanders Jr. Yeah, the, the reference there for Gage is that uh, Holman Wiggins, the former wide receiver coach for uh, Alabama uh, for uh, Nick Saban uh, overnight took the, or not overnight, late night, took the or took the Texas A&M wide receiver coach's uh, job. I think that could affect Ryan Williams, but I don't think Holman Wiggins is why Ryan Williams is looking at Alabama. I mean, that it doesn't work that way in that state. They go to Alabama because of Nick Saban, not because of their position coach, because position coaches at Alabama come and go. 
Nick Saban is the uh, single largest factor. Could it have some impact? Maybe. But Holman Wiggins isn't known as this great developer. In fact, ever since, like, he he inherited Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell, those guys. Since that time, I'd say that maybe Alabama receivers has underperformed a little. So let's be clear. I'll let you take David Sanders Jr., CJ, since you know him better. Yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about David Sanders, I won't lie. Uh, I do know that normally these territorial coaches that you start getting a, a close to uh, for, for recruiting schools and stuff like that, when they depart, it's more so been passed on to the position coach at the point uh, in which a kid is committed to. And so while – you know, Holman Wiggins has a, a lot of skins under his belt on the recruiting trail. By now, these kids are so, uh, you know, kind of acclimated to the coaching staff in which they will play for and meet with and be in team meetings with every single day that it's almost to the point where his departure won't have a lingering effect on kids that he wouldn't have in his position room right now. So I don't see a whole lot of movement as a result of his departure from Alabama. Obviously, it's a big name and one that made headlines late last night, as you can see. Uh, the move from Alabama to Texas A&M is one that uh, A&M fans are very excited about. And I I guess they should be because they see the acc- accolades that these receivers have made previously while he was there, though, Bobby, to your point, not necessarily as a result of him co- going out recruiting and developing. Uh, but when you look at the, the, the history of A&M wide receivers who have been completely wasted in College Station, I think this is one of those things where, you know, a fresh start with an, uh, a – a known name is one that can get, you know, AM fans super excited about. Hey, we'll see. Going, we'll see. Hey, David Sanders Jr. is a big offensive lineman out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, one of the top two or three uh, offensive linemen in the country for the class of 2025. He told 24-7 Sports uh, uh, Steve Wiltfong that he wanted to visit Texas at some point. Uh, I think it's too early to say if that's extraordinarily serious or just Texas being thrown in the mix. Uh, you're going to hear, I, I, and I want to, I, I want to caution everybody on this. Given that Texas just played in the college football playoff, you're going to hear Texas's name thrown out there a bunch in the next 12 months. A bunch. Our job as reporters and, and as people who comment on this is to figure out which ones actually matter. Um, right now, we don't know exactly where Sanders is in his true in, in interest in the Longhorns although clearly he's he's good enough. Yeah, Bobby, to that point, he was supposed to visit in July of last year for uh, an elite pool party junior day for the Longhorns. He did not make it in, but that should show the interest that Texas made early on, dating back to before the 2023 season. And obviously, as we talked about now, coming off of a, a, a spot in the college football playoff, that should be magnified just a bit. All right, y'all. Well, we got another super chat here, and this one for you, Bobby, from Thogita. I hope I'm saying that right. Thank you for the super chat. He says, Bobby, before games, you sometimes have opposing teams' media on for interviews. For A&M, would you rather talk to Billy Lucci or a yellow leader? So I've known Billy for 30 years. So I, I actually have a no problem talking to Billy all the time. I, I, he would be – I don't talk to him – I haven't talked to him in a year plus. Uh, but I have no problem with Billy Lucci. I mean, he's he feeds the masses uh, and let him do so. Uh, it hasn't really helped them much uh, in that regard. I, I think that, uh, you know, I I don't I, I just don't have a big issue with Billy. Uh, I know some people do, but 
Uh, he 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 tries to do his best to do a level best to do a good job. All right. Well, we got plenty of time for questions, so please get your questions in, and we'll get to as many as we can. And uh, you know, we talked about the All Star Game a little bit ago, but Chris Christopher Weatherford says, "What's the news on the signees in those games? Anything good, bad, or indifferent?" I love it personally. I think this is the the real last chance that you get to see one the real strengths of these kids and two the the, the glaring weaknesses as they go into the college system. Uh, you see them in a best on best setting, and that's exactly what I want to see for a guy like Trey Owens, who, like you said, Bobby, has competed against big time six A programs. He'll now have that big time offensive line in front of him throwing to guys who are going to the biggest college football programs in the entire country. So uh, you finally get to see them on a, I, I kind of want to say a fair level playing ground against other of the best, uh, you know, players in the entire country. So this is what I like to see. I, I, I liken this to what I saw from Alfred Collins back in San Antonio and Lord knows, was it 2018, 2019 way back in the day, but you see, at times these kids aren't necessarily where they want to be going into college. And it gives them an idea of, you know, I might have five stars or four stars and all the offers in the world by my name, but I just got worked at a San Antonio or all American camp, wherever I am, I need to come in a little bit more humble than maybe I should have thought previously. So I think that is good for all these kids to get the competition against the best quality guys in the entire country. Good stuff. I, I, I'm looking at it right now, and based on what you've heard and what you saw down in Orlando, you're going to, uh, we mentioned earlier, you're headed to San Antonio after this uh, after this uh, uh, coffee and football this morning, CJ. Uh, which I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go down the list. Based on what you thought they were heading into that setting uh, in Orlando, Jarrett Gibson, better or worse than you thought? Better. Okay. Uh, Daniel Cruz, better or worse or same? <laughs> much better. Oh, really? Much better. I think. Why, why is he, that? What the way that he carried himself in the first couple of you know onset drills with a, a true offensive line uh, at the center position, no less, is is the movement, the physicality, and the explosion off the ball was up there with anybody that I saw uh, for his team's practice. I was really impressed with Daniel Cruz. All right, Zena Umiozulu. A little bit better. Um, again, I hadn't seen Zena since the beginning of the season, and even then he's filled out probably 10, 15 pounds, and he looks more explosive off the ball as well. He, he looks good. Stock is up. All right, uh, Kobe Black. About what I expected. I think there's still a lot on the bone for him to come away with, uh, a lot of maturity physically for, for Kobe Black. Obviously the athleticism is there, but there's a, a next tier and, and level for ceiling for him. Um, all right. What about Jordan Johnson Rubel? I thought the, the, the physical makeup of Jordan Johnson Rubel was about what I, I expected. He's not the biggest guy. Uh, it, physicality might be an issue in terms of, you know, press coverage, which I don't expect Texas to use a lot of them. I was probably the most impressed with him just talking to him, X's and O's kind of getting to know him behind the scenes than anybody that I talked to. All right. And last Xavier feels to me better worse or uh, about where you thought I was a little skeptical with Xavier Phils to me because I thought you know if the film was good but when you see a kid that talented athletically how much of it is his rating about him being a football player 
And those question marks were, were answered, uh, you know, those those practices that I saw in Orlando. The kid was running first team in, in all reps. He was, you know, like you said, the athleticism is there. Uh, the movement is there. The football knowledge is there. I'm, I'm a big fan of Xavier Philsomese. Okay. All right. Well, I hope I, I want you to do the same thing for us with Trey Owens, Ryan Wingo, Michael Kern, and Ty Anthony Smith tomorrow, if you don't mind, bud. I'm in. I think Texas fans will enjoy that kind of feedback and somebody that gets to see these guys before they get on campus. Hey, here's the interesting thing. I think every single one of those kids on both sides, oh, except for Kern, are all on campus next, right? like in two weeks, right? There's there's 17, all right, no, seven plus four. There's 11 guys in All-American games, these two All-American games for Texas. Ten of them will be on campus in two weeks. That's so important. <laughs> Ten of them. So these aren't guys that are way off in the distance. These guys that are going to be on campus in 10 days. CJ, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to name an MVP from those players that, that you saw, based on the limited time that you saw them, who would it be? I really like Jarrett Gibson. What I saw from him, I was really impressed. Um, the, the physical build is that of a kid that's been in a college weight room for three years already. And he can still move and he can still catch. What you want in a running back, he possesses it. I'm a big fan of his. Good stuff, CJ. All right, guys. Well, we're going to move on to some more questions here. And uh, let's actually take this one. This is from Antoine to CJ. He says, what path to playing time do you see for Trey Owens down the road? Yeah, clearly it's a, you know, it's a crowded room with some big names ahead of them. Uh, but Bobby, to the point, and Blake, to the point that we talked about earlier with him being named the day one MVP down in San Antonio, I wouldn't say that's a, su a surprise at all to anybody that's watched him play, you know, football this season. He's elevated his play to a level in which I don't think there's many quarterbacks in the country that can come close statistically or with, a, you know, the, the on-field production that we saw uh, from Owens obviously winning against Katie in the, the state uh, high school playoffs, 44 touchdowns, four interceptions, a bajillion yards. And again, like you said, Bobby, he's doing so with a an offensive line that probably doesn't have the most talent of teams, even in his own district. And so I think that's really encouraging because he's in that spot right now to be aware of the pocket. We obviously just saw how important that was with Michael Penix, knowing when pressure is you know, coming, where it's coming from, how to avoid it and get the ball downfield still. That's exactly what it is with Trey Owens. So uh, the path to the to the field obviously is dependent upon how early Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning depart for the NFL. That those are going to be the two guys that he's going to have to wait behind. He knows that coming in. There's a whole reason why these guys are are as highly touted as they are with the, the five star ratings for both of them. They're going to be having to to get their turn on the field first before Trey Owens is able to see uh, just what he can do as a Texas Longhorn. Uh, Bobby, one thing that we haven't talked about that's been a hot topic of news discussion, and I'm going to call this person ZC, ZC, because I'll butcher that name. <laughs> Any time frame on the linebacker position coach being hired? Can you tell us the latest there? Yeah, the, the latest I know is this. Johnny Nansen is the leader and it has been offered the position is my understanding. He is the uh, linebacker coach slash defensive coordinator at the University of Arizona. Uh, he was headed out uh, as of Saturday, I believe to Hawaii uh, for a little R&R. &R. Uh, his wife is from Hawaii, so it's not a true R&R. &R. It's going to see the in-laws. So, <laughs> you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but my point being uh, that uh, basically in the next week or so, I think you could hear something if it is indeed Nansen. Nansen, by the way, though, calls the plays 
for Arizona. I don't think he would call the plays in Austin over Pete Kwiatkowski. So there's a little bit of a, a dance there that has to happen, right? Like what position actually is it for him? Uh, what's the title, et cetera. Uh, the other thing I would say is that Nansen and Steve Sarkeesian, and as well as Jeff Banks go way back, uh, Nansen's daughter uh, is on the University of Texas staff for events uh, as it relates to foot, the football team. Uh, she's a student at Texas. Uh, and then there's the fact that Nansen this past spring was, you know, visiting Texas for spring workouts. Uh, he, you know, coaches go different places to go see uh, different uh, styles of defense, et cetera. Nansen took in uh, at least one Texas practice is my understanding as well. So uh, all of that mixed in, guys, uh, that looks like it could be the guy. There's also some other names out there. Santucci has been mentioned by some. Ken Norton's been mentioned by some. Uh, Derek Johnson may try to throw his hat in the ring, but I don't know as of right now that it's going to get past Johnny Nansen uh, at Arizona. Uh, could we know in the next week or two weeks? I, I think that's a fair, fair question. Well, there's no doubt Texas fans anxiously awaiting that announcement. And uh, speaking of anxiously awaiting, Bobby, it's everybody's favorite time of the morning. It's cheers to the new year from our friends at Manscaped because your resolutions shouldn't be the only things that are well kept. 2024 is the time for new heights, new opportunities, and a new look for your Times Square balls. Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're looking to maintain a trim or go for that clean shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. It's trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, and now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use promo code ONTEXAS, and you're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. Happy New Year or Happy New Balls. And I've told you this week about Manscaped's fifth-generation lawnmower, but now I'm going to tell you about getting a full grooming experience with Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0. In this grooming kit, you get the trusted lawnmower, Manscaped's ear and nose hair trimmer, and essential aftercare products with the Crop Soother Ball Aftershave Lotion and the Crop Preserver Anti-Shaping Ball Deodorant. Yep, it's deodorant for your balls, and I bet you think you didn't need that. So let's face it, resolutions might come and go, but a well-groomed you is here to stay thanks to Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ONTEXAS at manscaped.com because nothing says Happy New Year like a deal that leaves your balls and your budget feeling refreshed. Embrace a new you and definitely embrace a new trimmer courtesy of Manscaped. Switched it up on you today. <laughs> I could use the ear and nose trimmer. That that's my age group. Let's talk about that one. I'm the ear and nose trimmer. No. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Manscaped.com, Bobby. Promo code on Texas. There you go, bud. Hey, uh, we need to reset and talk a little bit about what's going on in the last 24 hours here. Uh, first of all, Xavier Worthy declares uh, for the NFL draft the Texas wide receiver. Uh, finishes Texas career number four overall in receiving yardage, uh, 2,755, 26 touchdowns. That's number three all-time for the University of Texas as a receiver. A tremendous career he has declared uh, for the NFL draft. Also, uh, the Under Armour All-American game gets started today at 3 o'clock on ESPN. Six Texas signees expected to participate. Uh, All-American game down in San Antonio. CJ's on his way there later today. Trey Owens. Uh, got the player of uh, the practice player of the West uh, in the first day of practice. That's the quarterback out of Cy Fair that also won the Houston's touchdown club player of the year. Also, uh, late note here that came in right when we were getting on air. Uh, CBS released its first mock draft of the year. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, the highest rated Longhorn in the draft, apparently at 24th overall. And then Byron Murphy going ahead of uh, Tavondre Sweat at number 32 overall. So uh, interesting numbers there uh, from CBS Sports. The two guys that were actually overshadowed some uh, by their other Texas players, Xavier Worthy was a first-team uh, first all-conference pick. Adonai Mitchell was not. Uh, Tavondre Sweat was the defensive player of the year uh, in the Big 12 and won the Outland, but Byron Murphy, according to CBS, likely to go ahead of Sweat in the NFL draft. So uh, interesting stuff as well. There's also portal news uh, to consider. Texas continues its pursuit of Jamari Caldwell, the defensive lineman out of the University of Houston. Uh, Caldwell went back to South Carolina where he's from uh, after entering the portal. Uh, that is a piece of it. Uh, they are also looking right now at a defensive back, possibly either a safety or a corner, uh, then a wide receiver as well as a tight end if JT Sanders announces that he's going pro, uh, that Longhorn's waiting on not only Sanders, uh, but also the announcements of Adonai Mitchell uh, and Jonathan Brooks. Uh, Brooks is the one that I think is kind of teetering on a real decision right now compared to JT Sanders, who last I heard was leaning heavily to go pro. And, and if A.D. Mitchell is going to be a first-round pick, A.D. Mitchell probably needs to go pro and, and go get that money as well. So that, that's uh, that's an update. Uh we will see. All right. Well, that kind of answers this super chat here from Lee Barden, Bobby. He says, what are the chances of Jonathan Brooks, JT Sanders, and AD returning next year? Monday night was upsetting, but horns all up till Gabriel blows his horn. I agree. I agree, Lee. That's that's uh, so true. Um, I think that um, Sanders was 75-25 at worst going. Uh, you know, so I think he's likely gone. Uh, Adnan Mitchell's similar situation, perhaps even more so. Brooks is the interesting one because there are times, and CJ heard this as well, that that he could be could have been the first running back off the board if he had not gotten injured. So what does that mean for them uh, long term? Uh, I, I think he's he's the interesting decision one of that group. I really do. Uh, what is the what is the deadline for the NFL draft declaration? Is it January fifteenth? Uh, does anybody know that for sure? Uh, we'll, we'll, in other words, it should be within two weeks, I believe, uh, that we'll know for sure. Plus, I think Texas school starts back for Texas on January 16th. 
So if yep. they're not enrolled and going to school, you'll know you'll know at that time as well. It, it is, is January 15th, Bobby. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, y'all, we have another super chat here from Pooh. And speaking of Xavier Worthy leaving, he says, how's the 2024 receiver room going to look? Whew, that, that's a great question. Yeah. Great question. Um, you're, you're adding – Jonte Cook is, is going to be one of them. Uh, he's one that showed as a true freshman that he belongs on the field. Uh, DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett a little bit different. Moore got more time than Niblett, so you'd have to think he's ahead there. Uh, Matthew Golden uh, coming in from the University of Houston. He had 38 catches this year for U of H. Uh, scored, I think, six touchdowns. He's going to be a guy that you look to. Uh, and then also, I, I think they're going to look, uh, you know, not only within the incoming class like a Ryan Wingo, Parker Livingstone, uh, you know, those guys, uh, Aaron Butler, don't forget about him. Uh, you just don't know what he looks like uh, coming in as well. But I think they're also going to look for another wide receiver in the portal that could be a, a, a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. We should know in the next 24 hours where there some big name wide receivers actually have gone and put submitted their name into the portal. As of last night, I had not heard of another wide receiver that was definitely going in and, and that uh, everything was occurring. Uh, but there are several different guys that if they were to go in, they might be that number one for the University of Texas. And we've talked about guys that Texas is looking at, but Nathan wants to know, do Texas players have to submit paperwork for the portal today? There was some confusion that it may be a five-day extension after the team competes. I think there is an extension for people or for players in the portal um, after the college football playoff is over. So Texas players don't have the same, you know, uh, because they, they were in the playoffs, they get an extension. I don't know if it's five days or seven days, though. I, I'd have to go back and double check my take on it. I expect three to five more players from Texas to enter their names in the portal over the next uh, 24, 48 hours or into that extended time period. I, I would not be surprised if that happens. If it's lower than three, I will be really surprised. And it's just another another reason why I think Steve Sarkeesian has got this team going in the right direction. Uh, you know, they, these guys like one another, and that's important for a team. No doubt about it. Uh, Miguel Gonzalez says, Bobby, can you talk a little bit about Caldwell and what he brings to the table? Yeah, I mean, he's the one that, I tell you what, Houston gave Texas fits, right? Uh, especially running the ball with that three high safety look. Caldwell is the one that went out in the fourth quarter and Texas summarily ran the ball down the field on Houston for the first time all game. He was the guy that gave Texas all kinds of fit. He is, he is more of a run stopper than he is a pass uh, rusher, uh, but he is a plus player uh, and would fit right into a, a rotation at Texas. If you're look, you're not going to get a guy, you're not going to get a first round guy out of the portal at defensive tackle. It just doesn't work that way. Those guys are worth their weight, but you can get guys that are going to play and even possibly be a starter for you out of the portal. If you're on them from the outset, Texas has been on Caldwell from the outset. There was some question whether or not he had the academics to get into Texas. They're working through that. Texas continues their pursuit of Jamari Caldwell right now. They also had two sacks against Texas this year as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not a pass rusher though. He's that run stopper. Um, but you know, he gets after it. I mean, he's which I think player. is even more impressive that he had six and a half sacks this year. So yep. if his strength is 
you know, stopping the run and he still adds that many sacks from the interior. Pretty good player. Hey, let me ask you that. I just talked to somebody yesterday and talking about the need for Texas to have a pass rusher overall, CJ. When's the last time somebody had seven sacks or more for the University of Texas in a single season? Was it Charles Aminahu, maybe? That's it. In the last 15 years, Aminahu's the only one that's had seven sacks or more. Shoot, he had probably half of those in that Oklahoma State yes. overtime game. <laughs> exactly. But that but that's a fair question, right? You, that's you crazy. Think about it, the need for a Texas to have a pass rusher, Texas, but we 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 long bemoaned Texas not having an offensive lineman. That's right. Next. Yeah. yeah. That was that pass rushing uh piece is 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 probably the, the other piece of this that has to happen. All right, well, let's talk about, you know, obviously Texas needing help on the interior line like we've been talking about. But Drew wants to know what else can they do? What do we do at D-tackle with Sweat and Murphy gone? That's my most concerning position. A lot of production to replace. Who on the team currently do you see stepping up to fill that role? It's got to be Vernon Broughton, first off. He's got to be the incumbent to, to step in into a starting role, having been here as long as he has. Uh, he's got to be a guy that takes that next step up. Troll Carter will obviously be in that conversation as well. Uh, but I'm looking at guys like Aaron uh, Aaron Bryant and Jeray Bledsoe, two guys that Texas has recruited. They've built up inside their own program. That They've developed them under Bo Davis. Jeray Bledsoe specifically, I think I mentioned this on Twitter, he's one of the guys that I'm most hopeful to see take a step in the spring season this year. I, Bobby, you've heard the athleticism about Dre Bledsoe. He's a, for pound for pound, I think is the term that's been thrown around behind the scenes, the most athletic player on the team in its entirety for what he a, is able to do at close to 300 pounds, whether it be the splits or dunking or whatever it is, there's not many guys that are able to do that with his size. He's got to be a guy that steps into a void and carves out a role for himself. So uh, whether or not Texas goes out and adds a guy from the portal or not, those four guys that I mentioned earlier have to take a step forward. And obviously, Sadir Mitchell's in that conversation as well, a guy that's 355, 360 pounds. If there's a guy that most resembles what Tavondre Sweat brought physically, it's clearly him. So I'm excited to see just the steps that they take in the spring once everything starts getting going up here in March. I, I did hear some good things about Aaron Bryant during uh, uh, the uh, Sugar Bowl workouts, by the way. Uh, Trill Carter is another one that you got to mention. He's in that mix. Uh, Aaron, uh, Vernon Broughton, uh, you mentioned Air, Alfred Collins. We didn't even mention him, but he's a guy that has an FL decision coming up. We believe he's likely going pro as well, though. Um, and so I, I think that there is a big question mark around that. You know, how much can any of the young guys, can can Alex January or DeAndre Robinson uh, be a, be party to this next year? Those are all good questions. We'll find out because they're all going to be midtermers at the spring. Yeah, I was I was going to add one more point to that. Only four interior defensive linemen saw snaps against Washington, and it was the only only two of them. Obviously, are coming back: Troll Carter and Vernon Broughton. So there are still going to be a lot of snaps available for these guys to come in going into the SEC, as we've talked about. The, its trenches have to be good. That spot specifically, with as good as Texas's run defense was, has to be of the priority to get up to the level of which we saw from 2023's team. 
All right, so all this next question here is from Isaiah Stewart. And Isaiah says, assuming we have more speed in the secondary next year, what defensive adjustments, if any, do you expect? More aggressive on the edges, boundary and field. A little bit more man coverage press. If they have the speed behind them at safety and they have the makeup speed, more makeup speed at corner, that's what I think. You, you see anything you. different, CJ? I, I said it after the game. I thought Texas was just a step slow in coverage. And I, I didn't necessarily think there was a lot of busts in coverage. Uh, you, you can point to the Terrence Brooks, the pass interference, uh, where he thought it looked like after the play that he thought he had safety help over the top that wasn't there. Texas was there. They were in position, but more times than not, is Michael Penix making a throw or Texas being just one step too late? I look at the play that he threw over the middle of the touchdown that split, uh, I believe, Keaton Crawford and, and Derek Williams Keaton. in the second half. They were just one step too slow, and I think that will be the improvement that you see with not only this incoming class, but with the class that was on campus as true freshmen a year uh, this year. So that's encouraging to me. I will say Jelani McDonald, by the way, CJ, has moved full-time to safety. Yes. He, was... did, he, he did that, uh, he did that uh, during the Sugar Bowl workouts. Yes. So yes. he's no longer at star. So that that's another name added to that mix that should uh, theoretically uh, add some speed. And length. Uh, this next question here from Emmanuel Villafranco, he asks, has Sadir Mitchell successfully shifted his weight into the right places? Does he have the strength to start? How many snaps do you think he would see per game? Well, he has the strength. He has not reapportioned all of that weight. It, that's that's a lot of reapportioning to do. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's be clear about that. Uh, but uh, they, they do think he's on the right path right now. They just got to keep him on that right path. This will be a huge spring for him, an absolutely enormous spring, uh, because if he can take this spring and catapult him into fall, he'll be ready. Yeah. If he doesn't take this spring and winter seriously in summer, then he's going to stay behind. This is a huge six months for him, in my opinion. Huge. And I, I think Bo Davis and the defensive staff would agree with that. Um, he is the one guy that CJ mentioned, he can just eat blocks. I mean, he's the one guy they have that is genuinely 350 plus and still got arm length that can reach, you know, guard to guard. So if they get him playing lower as well as getting him in better shape, he will be very key to this defense next year. Very, very key. If they can get him there. Uh, well, we've talked defense for a little bit. Let's go over to the other side of the football here. And uh, Callan has a good question. He says, can y'all compare skill sets of the incoming receivers to the three we will be losing? I think off the bat, the clear comparison, both physically and on film, is you know Ryan Wingo being that you know next successor to an A.D. Mitchell. The raw tools are there. The size is there. The speed is there. Uh, the fine-tuning must improve for Ryan Wingo uh, in terms of being a route technician and obviously getting off of the uh, you know press coverage. That's something that you learn over time. A good wide receivers coach like Chris Jackson has helped elevate the play of his room so far since he's arrived. I would expect there to be a lot of work this spring to get Wingo 
uh, ready to see action. I don't think it's fair to, to Wingo to expect him to be a guy right away to play, you know, down after down early in his career. Parker Livingstone, I don't necessarily think there, there's a guy on campus with a skill set like his. He's obviously 6'4". He's a, a big a big body that not necessarily has always been a, a, you know, kind of the wide receiver approach for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, but 6'4 can still move laterally pretty well uh, for his size. I'm excited for him. And then Freddie Dubose, if he's 100% healthy, this is a guy that you see all the time in this Steve Sarkeesian offense. You know, the Jontae Cooks, uh, I, I think he's a little bit bigger, not as shifty anymore due to the knee injury uh, than Xavier Worthy, but kind of in that still speed category. And then Aaron Butler, I mean, that's the shiftiness, the the, the Matthew Goldens, the Xavier Worthies. Um, Ryan Niblett was in that conversation when he came uh, into the fold last year as well. So not necessarily a whole lot of you know guys that you could point to right away in terms of Texas having uh, a pretty slim you know rotation at the wide receiver position. So a lot of question marks still to be answered with this new coming class and the guys that they have on campus expected to take that next step up. Let me ask you this, CJ. What about Matthew Golden? Where does he fit? in this thought process for you? I liken Matthew Golden to a, a Jonte Cook. I know we didn't see a lot about Jonte Cook this year, but dating back to when I would see him in high school, he's a very well-rounded, all, you know, all-encompassing wide receiver in terms of there's a little bit of everything that he does very well. He's quick, he's fast, he's explosive. He knows how to get off the line. He's good at running routes. I see that all in, in Matthew Golden as well. I think that there's a little bit more – uh, of a deep threat off the bat with Matthew Golden. I think he's a little bit more explosive jumping to get the ball than Jontae Cook, but that's not to take away from Jontae's ability because he is one of the best well-rounded wide receivers I've covered in the high school ranks. He's up there with Evan and Micah, uh, Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba as well. A lot of these guys are very, very talented coming out. There just is a bit of a, a developmental gap right now with Matthew Golden having been in college for a couple of years now. Let me ask you this. If you had to guess, and somebody asked about Moore and Niblet, if you had to guess the starting lineup with what you know right now and not saying, okay, they're going to get another guy from the portal, the three receivers for Texas next year, who are the starters for Texas next year in your opinion? Jontae Cook is absolutely one. Uh, Matthew Golden is absolutely one. The question to me is where does Steve Sarkeesian go next? Is DeAndre Moore physically ready to – to, to take on that Jordan Whittington role in a way? Is Ryan Wingo able to learn the playbook and the nuances of Steve Sarkeesian offense and play right away? I I don't know about either one of that right now. Clearly, we haven't seen enough Wingo on campus. We don't know, uh, you know, if DeAndre Moore is taking that step forward. It's a big question mark to me. But those two guys that I mentioned, Jonte Cook, Matthew Golden, absolutely pinned in to a, a starting position for 2024. So we're really looking for wide receiver three if they don't get somebody big out of the portal. Uh, I would think so, yes. That makes sense. All right, so this next question here, uh, it's let's see, let's do Haoli Frioli93 says, without as much experience in the wide receiver room this coming season, do you think we see more rotation at that position? Now that's a great question uh, because that that – talks about if they're if they are if like I think that the reason you didn't see many much rotation this year is because there is a clear delineation yeah 
of your top three in the next group. If the delineation is not as clear, um, then you may see more rotation. You may see Sark try to see, okay, who's going to go make a play that day? You know, I mean, I, I think that's a fair question. To that point, there was a, a – I forgot who said it. It was a baseball manager, a legendary baseball manager way back in the day, and it's – you know, if I have a Ferrari back in my garage, why would I drive a Corolla? And yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things that you have that you. I don't want to discredit the wide receivers in the wide in the room that aren't getting snaps. They're talented. They're at Texas for a reason. But we're seeing Xavier Worthy and and Ad Mitchell getting mocked in the first round of the NFL draft. There's levels, and you know what we've seen is clearly a result of them being that talented. Jordan Winnington's been around for five years. That was small. That rotation was small for a reason. Trusted, experienced, and very talented. These guys below will obviously get to that level over time. They weren't ready this year. Uh, before we move on, fellas, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, absolutely. Adam has been terrific uh, for our program. We appreciate him. He's also been terrific for his clients. Uh, Adam and his group have been helping injured Texans for decades. Whether it's a car crash, motorcycle accident, a dog bite, uh, Adam said, something that you think that uh, has happened to you that just uh, makes no sense uh, and the other person is responsible for it, give him a call, 512-280-0800 or visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com. Uh, that's 512-280-0800. Visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com. Adam and his group give you a free consultation before any paperwork is signed uh, to give you an idea of whether or not you might be uh, do some money uh, or compensation for your trials and tribulations. All right, guys, we got a super chat here from Juan. Thank you, Juan, for the super chat. He said, I know I talked yesterday about getting rid of either defensive back coach or safeties coach. I like PK, but remember, when he was at Washington, he had Jimmy Lake from the NFL helping him with the coverages in the back end. They were really good. He also had Trent McDuffie and Buda Baker and first round draft Evan picks. King. Yeah. yeah, three three first round draft picks helping him. You know, that lets Byron Murphy as well. There's a lot of good Washington DBs. Yeah. So I think that we could talk about that, but at some point, does anybody see Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, Michael? T I mean, I'm not trying to be rude. Ryan Watts as a first round draft pick. I don't think so. It's not just coaching. It's talent, too. And it's not like the Texas guys are devoid of talent. I don't want to talk bad about them because they clearly we got the national championship playoffs with, with them. So don't there's no negative here. It's just there is. It's like if you have Ferrari, you don't go play the Corolla. Well, Jimmy Lake and PK had Ferraris in Washington. It's not really it's not really a, a fair comparison. All right, this next one, we talked about since we talked about defense. David Rawls wants to talk about special teams. Who returns punts and kicks next year, Blue and who? I don't think I love Blue returns over Matthew Golden. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, Golden yes. is, was the nation's perhaps top kick returner this year. Um, now, Blue looked really good returning kicks. Like, I thought he looked better than Keelan Robinson, even during that Keelan Robinson looked – Without his hand during the year. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, don't, 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 don't. Hey, hey, small decision. It didn't affect the outcome of the game. It didn't. It didn't. But I I couldn't 
believed that there was even a chance that he was going to play or feel the punt or kick or whatever. But yes, to your point, Matthew Golden, you know, all, all American, all conference punt returner, very talented amongst the nation's best and average yards return. He should be penciled in for both, in my opinion. Well, as kick returner, he didn't leave, he, he wasn't the punt returner for Houston. They had another guy that was really good at punt return, but he might be the punt returner, CJ. The guys on campus that they were working at that position that return are Jonte Cook, yep. and DeAndre Moore. And I think they like Moore's hands as a punt returner slightly better. So give and take there. And it maybe it's Jaden Blue. Hey. Right? At punt return. Or and goal. Real quick, if if you're in that punt and kick returning spot under Jeff Banks and there's questions about your hands, you will not see the field. Just ask Deshaun Jameson. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great point. I mean, literally, uh, returning kicks in the NFL, but uh, rather go with uh, Xavier Worthy last yeah. last year. Good question. Or good thought. All right, Antonio Harris with the super chat. Thank you, Antonio. He says, when does this six-year plane go away? Stetson Bennett two years in a row. Now Michael Penix Jr. Very irritating having grown men play these kids. Or seventh year in the case of Casey Thompson and Cam Rising. How many years is this for Dylan Gabriel? I mean, Dylan Gabriel is going to be, what, 25 playing for Oregon next year? Um, look, COVID has, uh, COVID has added a year. Um, it should be five years. It will, it will sometimes be six if there's been a catastrophic injury, mm-hmm. like a blowout knee that takes a year plus to return. The NCAA will grant that. But I think once COVID plays out, which that happened in 2020, is that right? Or no, 2021 was COVID season. So you probably got two more years of this. Probably got two more years where you might see another guy end up with six years experience. Uh, all right. Free or, or they can go on a mission at BYU. That's a different, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a different uh, category <laughs> or, or a bounce back from baseball, you know, like Chris Wayne. All right, guys. Freelance society. Look like the back shoulder throw was there on the last play. How do you know when to throw a fade or not to throw a fade? Quinn's next step for improvement is to see the field better and quicker decisions. I think this was one of those pre-snap, I know what I'm going to do. I know that I have to give my best receiver a chance in this situation for this situation, and that was a jump ball. Clearly, we saw the, the snap right before Braylon Trice was up the middle like that. So in my eyes, and having rewatched the play a million times now, I don't think there was a real read there. I think it was a pre-snap. I know what I'm going to do with the ball because I have to. It wasn't a read. It wasn't a, a – you know, let's see what formation or approach or alignment that the d- defense is in. Clearly, we know they're going to defend the, the goal line. Let's get A.D. Mitchell an opportunity to jump up and, and get the ball uh, to make the play and win the game. Uh, looking back, yes, a back shoulder would have probably given a better chance, but that's hindsight. That's knowing that for whatever reason, the Washington DB was going to be five yards into the backfield uh, or into the end zone where – you know, in, in, in situations like that, you're taught do not let wide receivers get to the pylon or a corner. So that is my mindset there. I think it was a misplay and then a great, you know, reaction and adjustment onto the football. That was one of the best best plays on the football I've seen from a DB that didn't have any kind of uh, controversy in terms of DPI or getting there too early. He played through the football. He jumped, I think, you know, uh, 100 
inches into the air. He was in, it was an incredible, you know, film from behind. So it would have been great in hindsight. I don't think that was the mindset of Quinn going into the play, which was we got to get some sort of chance to win the football. I, I think that the, the the pylon route was there. It's not even it didn't even have to be a back shoulder. Could have been a quick out. I mean, he was free. I I think Washington guessed right is what I think. That that's ultimately what happened. That's a that you either play him tight and you know, play him tight, then the jump ball looks good, right? Yeah. CJ. Then it's about getting the right 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 height on the ball, the right angle and letting your receiver see it first. The uh the other piece, uh, if if they would have thrown a, a pylon route, I think it's a touchdown. But I, I just, like I said, I think Washington guessed right, 50-50. And maybe, maybe part of Sark's decision in that to go with that had to do with the batted balls. So a pylon route more likely to be batted, right? They were doing a good job of getting their hands into the, into the passing lanes. That's number one. And number two, Sark hasn't been with Quinn a hard thrower in the red zone. He has not made skinny throws historically with Quinn. It's been RPO stuff that's been successful. And so as we look towards next year, that's got to be something Sark and Quinn both, I think, work on to get Texas better in red zone. Quinn's got to be quicker. Um, and Sark's got to be more willing to put him in those situations. It's got to be a little kumbaya there between those two. Yep. I got Dan wants to know, when do the early enrollees hit campus? And I think it's next week. I mean, school starts the 16th, and it's the 3rd. So they'll probably get in next week. I know I talked to a, a player's parent last night, um, and they're, I think they're due back. The kids themselves are due back on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, they'll they'll get a few days off here, uh, so winter conditioning starts almost immediately. Uh, you know that's these guys don't get a lot of time off. They're in the they're on the hamster wheel. <laughs> Let, let's be clear: these kids are on a hamster wheel of continuous improvement. There are times when winter workouts are more serious. Uh, to Richard's point, there, I believe they start the week they get back to campus. The true winter workouts. All right, Trace. Ask, assuming the better team won, does Thing wins incredibly pre- Thing does Thing W Washington's incredibly precise offense in person inspire players to focus more on mastering Sark's schemes? I don't I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's more on the defensive side of the ball, thinking we've got to be better up front. We got to play better complementary football on the defensive side of the ball, helping out the secondary. Uh, Penix wasn't touched all too often. He was pressured. He wasn't touched. He wasn't hit. Uh, that has to change from the pass rushing side of things, and that will certainly help out uh, the secondary. You look at you know a number of other games that occurred you know th- this past weekend. Quarterbacks get hit. Balls flutter up in the air. Things uh, occur differently as a result of pressure starting up front. That never happened with the Texas front credit to Penix because he was great at stepping sideways, stepping up, running, not necessarily something that we expected a whole lot of coming into this game. He was, as I said, I think it was the best single game quarterback performance from anybody given the stage and the stakes uh, from anybody that we've seen in college football this season. So it starts up front, it trickles into the secondary, but complimentary football is probably the the takeaway there for me. 
Can you think, and this is a fair question, can you think of a better QB for performance against Texas in the last decade? Maybe Caleb Williams two years ago? I, that came to mind. Um, maybe not Kyler Murray. Joe Burrow, maybe? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, okay. That's, that's, even then, I think he threw a pick. Me, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how good Michael Penix was on Monday. Yeah, night. yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow did throw the pick when he backed up in the in the goal line. That's yeah, in the red zone. Yeah, I just didn't punch it in, but not 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 the topic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, my my point to you and, and yeah. is that that's the kind of that's the kind of game he had. Yeah, no, it was now, great. Hey, why did he have that game? Did we not get enough pressure? Were the receivers running too open, etc.? But he made some. The dude made some wow plays. Now, I mean, give, oh, give 100%. Him- I'm looking at it right now on Pro Football Focus. He, his grade for this game was a 93.5. Which, if anybody's been following Pro Football Focus this week or at all this year, that's among the highest quarterback gradings I've seen the entire year. They don't get go much higher than 92, and so that that gives you an idea. Also, Quinn was the highest-graded Texas player for those that were kind of on the fence or skeptical about his play. Quinn was the highest-graded Texas football player in the Sugar Bowl from Pro Football Focus. So take that for what it's worth as well. Good stuff, CJ. All right, guys. We got time for just a couple of more questions here. Bobby, you've talked about you know portal candidates that, are, that Texas is looking at, rather. And we've had uh, two or three questions on this. The wide receiver portal guy from Ohio State, Ray Potter, says that Texas is interested in Ohio State wide receiver Bryson Rogers. Have you heard anything there? I have not, and I don't – I would be highly surprised if Texas doesn't go after a highly productive receiver. Bryson Rogers, while talented, does not fit the highly productive group uh, category. And I also need to mention Julian Humphrey. Uh, CJ had asked me about that via text. I mentioned this last night. Texas did not go after the cornerback from uh, Georgia coming out of high school. Now, he's actually from Houston. He went to Clear Lake. Um, but he signed with Georgia, was really highly rated. He hasn't really done much at Georgia at this point. And he went in the portal. I think we think he's looking to come back closer to home. Well, right now, I don't know that Texas has interest there because Texas didn't really push for him coming out of high school when they could have. Yep. Bobby, real quick, one other name. I'm putting you on the spot here, but Shaz Preston, wide receiver out of Alabama, entered the portal as well. What do you think there? Uh, so I don't know. Like he's, he's very, um, I don't know that he fits a one role. So he's somewhat similar to a Matthew Golden. Um, I don't know that he really, he's a good player. So there's a level there, right? Um, but I don't know if he's the player that they want. If you got one spot left, do you wait for a true one? Makes sense. Yeah, that's, now that doesn't mean Texas doesn't talk to him. Texas talks to everybody. Talk, Texas talked. To Walter Nolan and then hauled butt and didn't didn't pursue him right. So it doesn't mean they don't talk to these guys, but will they actually pursue? That's the difference. That's a good point. Uh, we got a super chat before we get out of here. Reggie Boy thirty seven. Thank you. He says, "Is it just me or is anyone else having a hard time with the loss? I can't watch the replays without getting upset. Ideas on how to get over it. Hey, baseball season's right around the corner." Uh, focus on what you can control, which is the next piece in front of you, man. That's look, CJ, you're getting off your butt right now and going down to San Antonio after this, right? That's that's what you do. 
you, you, you look forward and try to say, okay, how do you get better? Yeah. Uh, and hopefully that, that, that's what, I mean, look, that's what Steve Sarkeesian better be doing. That's what this football team better be doing. That's what Quinn Ewers as a leader of this team needs to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then to answer Ty Abraham's question with the season being over, will we have coffee and football every morning still? We aren't going anywhere. We'll be here every morning. Hey, we've got plans for 2024 guys that I hope uh, will excite everybody. Um, whether it's uh, some guests that we're working with and uh, common uh, that, that come on all along or a number of other aspects of it that we're getting ready to. I mean, it's just, uh, this has been a great past year. We're going to continue to build this and make it uh, the place for Texas fans to kind of unite and talk about Texas football and uh, sports in general, recruiting everything about the University of Texas. Hope it's uh, your home away from home uh, when it comes to uh, Texas football. There you go. And speaking of on Texas football, Bobby, tell folks what they can expect later today. Well, got two things coming up. Uh, CJ, you're going down to San Antonio. You're going to go see Trey Owens. Uh, I'll interview you after that for the recruiting breakdown, get your immediate thoughts on that. And then also I've got Rod Babers later today for the state of the program brought to you by the uh, Adam Lowy again. Uh, Rod and I are going to talk a little bit about the uh, game, but a lot about what we see coming forward and what Steve Sarkeesian and his group are going to want to do over the next three months or two months, really, before we get going into uh, spring ball. There you go. All right, guys. Well, it's time to wrap this one up. We want to thank Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm for sponsoring today's show. We've got to thank Manscaped as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. And ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome. CJ, drive safely, bud. Thank you. See you.